Well, there are a number of ways to trace the events of Palm Sunday, all of which have to do with what St. John refers to as a great crowd of people that gathered to welcome Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem, where he had come to celebrate the Passover, but also to give us a new Passover by his own sacrificial death and glorious risen life. And I remember last Palm Sunday, when we were missing that great crowd of people here at our beloved St. Andrew. But I promised you that by next year, this would all be over and we would all be back together again to celebrate and sing our hosannas together. Well, we're gonna have to wait a bit longer for that because we're not quite there yet, even though I do give thanks for those who assemble today to celebrate and sing together, even though the crowd may be a little bit smaller than usual. But that doesn't mean that you can't celebrate wherever you are until that great crowd is fully restored and assembled again and we pull out of this global pandemic which has affected all of us in a variety of ways. And so maybe the best way to celebrate Palm Sunday today is by doing it from the perspective of people who were waiting a lot longer than we're waiting through times that were troubled and difficult across centuries of prophecy until finally Jesus arrived to make life eternally and infinitely better for all the children of God. For example, John tells us that Jesus entered Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday by way of the village of Bethany, which is located on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, 2,700 feet above sea level where Lazarus was raised and Pastor Nick preached about it just a few weeks ago. But Matthew in his gospel says that Jesus entered Jerusalem from the village of Bethphage, which is only about a mile away from Bethany, but it's not Bethany and it's located on the hilltop of the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And so it may be interesting uh, for us to trace the footsteps of Jesus on this holy day or to review his travel itinerary on Palm Sunday. But on the other hand, you may be asking yourself, well, you know, who really cares? Why does that matter? Well, who cares is in the Old Testament book of the prophet Zechariah written hundreds of years before Jesus ever came onto the scene and where he gives his prophecy of the day that God's anointed one would come to Jerusalem. And in chapter 14, Zechariah says, and I quote, and his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives to the east of Jerusalem. The Messiah would come from the east. And then there's the donkey, which believe it or not is also a fulfillment of prophecy again from Zechariah, this time in chapter 9, where he says again, hundreds of years before Jesus came along, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion, which is another way of describing the children of Israel, the residents of Jerusalem, for behold, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey's colt. And that's significant because in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament, that's exactly what Solomon did before he was anointed the king of Israel. And also because in those days when a foreign king would visit a city like the city of Jerusalem, he would ride on a donkey if he was coming in peace. If he was not coming in peace, then he would ride on a horse. 
And so for all the times that Jesus went to Jerusalem throughout his ministry and in the course of his whole earthly life, we never hear about him riding into the city except for on this day when he rides on a donkey. And so these are all signals for us. They're sending message to us that Jesus was coming in peace, that he was seen as a king, that he was the promised Messiah, foretold centuries earlier, and finally arriving in that city to accomplish our salvation and to build a great crowd of followers that would extend the whole wide world. And speaking of that crowd, John also tells us that on that day they waved palm branches at Jesus, which they also did for visiting kings, and that Leviticus chapter 23 says that they should also do in praise and in worship of God himself. And then they shout this Hebrew word that some of us are familiar with. It's the word Hosanna, which literally means save us now. It's a prayer. It's a cry out to Jesus. And, and who do you pray to except for God himself? And, and then they quote Psalm 118 from the Old Testament and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a psalm that was used on their way to the temple to refer not only to kings, but to the coming of the Messiah himself. And then there's one other prophecy uh, that's a little tricky and it's kind of hard to explain, but I, I want to do it because it's just so cool. And it comes from the book of the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament, where Daniel, this major prophet, gives his prophecy of the coming of the Messiah and his arrival in the holy city of Jerusalem. And Daniel says that this would take place 483 years after the go-ahead was given to rebuild the city of Jerusalem after it was destroyed by its enemies. That's a very significant and precise number. Well, if you read in the book of Nehemiah, not in the book of Daniel, but in Nehemiah, you will find there that Nehemiah the prophet is given the go-ahead to begin the rebuilding of Jerusalem by King Artaxerxes. And this takes place, according to the scriptures, in the Jewish month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes' reign, which, according to Babylonian records, was sometime in the month of March in the year 445 B.C., if you add to that 483 years, according to the prophecy of Daniel, the major prophet, and you correct for things like the fact that there was no year zero in the counting of time or that uh, the Gregorian calendar was altered several times throughout history or there were leap years to consider, ultimately at the end of the day, you will come up with a date sometime in March or April of the year 30 or 32, which is exactly when biblical historians believe that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem on what we know as Palm Sunday. I mean, is that cool or what? And yet maybe you're thinking to yourself again, well, you know, all those details are very interesting and I hope that's what you're thinking. But on the other hand, who really cares? He came to Jerusalem. And why is that significant to me? What does Palm Sunday mean to me? After all, John tells us 
in his gospel that even the disciples of Jesus himself didn't really get what was going on that day until much later when they finally figured it out and connected the dots between prophecy and fulfillment. And that I share it with you on this Palm Sunday especially because according to one commentary that I read, the glory of God is in the details. And they come together more and more as Jesus makes his way to the cross like pieces of metal are drawn to a magnet from the donkey to the date to the entrance from the east of Jerusalem to a palm-waving crowd that shouted Hosanna and directed words to Jesus that were only used in reference to God himself and to his promised Messiah who was on this trailblazing rescue mission to come into that holy city, not just to celebrate Passover, but to give us a new Passover by his own sacrifice so that all their endless sacrifices would come to an end, which always left them unsure if they were really completely right with God forever. Palm Sunday is about Jesus coming to fight for your freedom. And that fight, as you know, got him killed, which we will think about on Thursday and on Friday of this Holy Week. But in the end of the day, the victory would belong to him, which we will celebrate again on this coming Easter Sunday. And so as you think about the events and the details of Jesus' arrival in the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, I would also invite you to think about how that story parallels the story of your life and its details. And I invite you to think about that and, and remember some things about it and, and to hang on to that, like the fact that we have a God who keeps his promises, even if the waiting seems too long to us, because God is faithful. And Jesus is worthy and his grace is sufficient, even if we have to wait another Palm Sunday for the great crowd to fully assemble. Or you have to wait a little bit longer to completely figure out God's plan for your life that may get fulfilled in a way that's different from what you imagine or that you may not completely understand at first. I'd also invite you to think about the fact that God, through Christ, is still coming through for you. Not just to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, but into your life, into our city, into our circumstances. He's still hearing our hosannas. He's still receiving our calls and our prayers as we cry out for him to save us from all the things that we've done to each other and all the things that we experience together in this broken and messed up world. You know, uh, we sometimes, in fact, we often refer to Jesus dying on the cross to save us from our sins, and that's absolutely true. But, but so often those words kind of fly by us like, like church words or sermon language. When what it really means is that Jesus is coming through for you. He's still coming through in his word, 
in his spirit, by his cross, in baptisms, in communions, in people who sing his praises and they come to your rescue in the name of Jesus. And so I invite you to think about Palm Sunday and to realize that in this story, as well as in your story, Jesus Christ is coming to your rescue to set you free and to give you a place in a kingdom that is not of this world. My first Palm Sunday here at St. Andrew was on March 23rd, 1997, long time ago. And on that Palm Sunday, just two months after I first was installed as pastor here, I told a story about our daughter Lauren, who was not even two years old at the time, but who was born 10 weeks premature and spent 80 days in the neonatal intensive care unit. And during that 80 days, at about day 10, Lauren took a turn for the worse. And we weren't sure if she was going to make it. And so one of the things that I did that day was I called my brother at his office in Pittsburgh and I told him what was going on. We didn't know how this was going to turn out. Get praying, tell the family, and I'd get back to him later in the day. And he said, okay, and we hung up. Hours later, I left the intensive care unit to walk into a hall to find my way to a cup of coffee. And at the other end of the hall, I see this shadowy figure coming my way. And it was a surreal experience as I realized a few seconds later that that figure was my brother who heard my call, who hung up the phone, walked out of his office, got in his car, and drove from Pittsburgh to Columbia so that we could feel rescued, so that I could feel the presence of my brother in my anxious waiting, come what may. And I shared that story on that Palm Sunday, and I share it on this Palm Sunday because it reminds me of the brother who comes to our rescue. My brother has been rescued eternally. The child in the NICU was rescued from that moment and now delivers children's messages here at the Lutheran Church of St. Andrew. And so the last statement I want to point out to you today, again, comes from Verse 16 in John chapter 12, where again, John talks about how it is that even the disciples of Jesus didn't really fully get what was happening that day until later on. And yet they kept the faith and yet they worshiped him, yet they followed him, yet they praised him until it all came together in the final victory of Jesus. Kind of reminds me of a, a meeting that I attended uh, some years ago in which I was asked to describe my relationship with Jesus. And my impulsive, off-the-cuff answer was to say to the group, well, I'm still getting to know him, and he's still blowing my mind. It's not the most theological or eloquent answer that I could have come up with, but it is to say to you, that if you don't fully have Jesus figured out, if you don't completely understand his plan for your life, just keep following him. 
Keep worshiping him. Keep calling out to him and praising him and singing your hosannas. And give thanks for a great crowd that may not be assembled all in one place today, but it's out there and it's rejoicing. And you are part of that crowd because if there's one thing that I do know without a shadow of a doubt is that this is our promised Messiah. He is our savior. He is our king. He is our brother. He is the best friend that we will ever have. He's still keeping his promises. And he's still coming through for you and me. God bless you this holy week as we journey together from Bethany to Bethpage to Jerusalem to the upper room to the cross where he died and to the joy and the glory of another Easter day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.